What's up, guys? I'm Sasha Taylor, and this is Cars Are For Girls, the podcast that gets you info on all of the things you want to know about cars but didn't know who to ask. When I ended off last week's episode, I gave a little hint as to what this week's episode is going to be about. Well, okay, not exactly a hint because I fully came out and said we're going to talk about differentials this week, but it feels like a hint because for so many of the listeners of the Cars Are For Girls podcast, it's a totally new term, so I didn't really give away a lot about what we're going to be talking about. And that's why it's so important that we talk about it. So many of us know that feeling when a mechanic or even a customer service person from a dealership runs you through this laundry list of things that aren't working or that are due for replacement in your car. Well, because there's such a level of distrust and misinformation in the car world, when you get told that you need to replace, you know, your tie rods or your tread or brake pads are looking worn, um, or maybe your air filter needs to be replaced or your windshield wipers, whatever it is in your situation, you probably have that same question running you through your head that so many other people think of when they're faced with that list of repairs, especially expensive repairs. You ask yourself, okay, but do I actually need all of this? And almost everyone asks this question. For someone who's more knowledgeable about cars, who's been paying attention to them for longer, or maybe works on them themselves a little bit, it's a more automatic or even unconscious question that they're probably able to answer themselves almost immediately. But for people who are new to cars or new to the car world, maybe less experienced with them, this question and just the sense of distrust, both for the person that's giving you the list and distrust in your own ability to know what it is that your car needs can add a whole level of stress and discomfort to this scenario of having to ask, do I actually need all these things that this person is telling me that I need? Because really, if you're on the more budget conscious side, like the majority of the population, you want to make sure that you're making a good buying decision and you want to know for sure that the repair that they're calling for is in fact needed and that you're not just being upsold unnecessarily. Nobody wants to experience that feeling of paying for work to be done in your car that you know, you, you think if you brought a more experienced friend or maybe it was, you know, your dad or your cousin or your boyfriend or your, you know, whoever it is that if you brought them instead and they know a little bit more about cars that they would have known it wasn't necessary. You want to feel independent. You want to know and have faith in your own decision capabilities that you can make a good decision for yourself. And how are you supposed to know if the work you're being quoted on is actually necessary if you don't even recognize any of the words or the parts that you're being told about? It's just setting you up to feel uncomfortable, untrusting, and uncertain. But you don't need to be a car expert to make this situation easier. All you need to do to start combating this is just to know a little bit more about the car that you're driving. And the goal of this podcast is to make that easier and more accessible to get you that information. Because each new little piece of information you learn, it functions like a brick. As humans, our brains love putting things in categories and bundling things together that that are, have similarities. We love to label things and identify other things as being similar to things we already know. So when we comprehend new information, we understand it from the lens of all of the other things that we knew leading up to that point. Our brains will take new information and link it to similar information we've already learned. For example, when everyone was trying that Dalgona coffee last summer, do you remember that whipped coffee? where you whisk together instant coffee and sugar and hot water and then you pour it over ice and milk and it looks all pretty and you film it with the sparkly TikTok filter. So that coffee, as a coffee lover, I really wanted to try making it because it looked really good. And I was over at my friend's place babysitting slash babysitting a three-year-old is more just like 
playing. Um, and I thought it would be a good activity to do together. So I brought out all the ingredients and I thought, okay, so she can practice as a three-year-old her small motor skills and gets to make something and I get a coffee. So it's win-win. But when you think about the way that she and I were navigating the new activity together, it was so interesting to me as someone who really is fascinated by the way that the brain works, just how much more information that she had to process in order to accomplish the same task of making the whipped Delgona coffee. Because for my friend's kid, all she knew about coffee at that point was that her parents like to drink it and that it's hot, so don't touch the mug. Like those are the only things that she had been told or observed up to that point when it came to coffee. Whereas me on the other hand, thankfully, since I've got a few decades on her, I didn't have to think about the fact that we'd need coffee or dehydrated coffee and water and sugar and ice and milk. And I didn't need to learn that we need to whisk the, the, the ingredients together to mix them. Um, or even that it needs to go into a glass because it's a cold drink instead of a mug for a hot drink. And I'd seen videos on Instagram and TikTok of the way people had poured it, poured that whipped coffee, peanut butter looking mixture over the milk and ice. So even though I'd never done it myself, and even though I tend to be more of a Starbucks person versus making my own drinks in the morning, there's so many bits and pieces and years of coffee information that I'd had leading up to that point that made it really easy to learn the new recipe. Teaching my friend's kid to use a whisk on the other hand, not so easy. There's so many pieces of information that we just take for granted when we've been doing something for a long time. And I think that so often when it comes to cars, you know, as newbies to the car world, we're the three-year-old, but we're comparing ourselves against the people that have been adding to their knowledge for years. It doesn't mean that you have the comprehension of a three-year-old. Obviously you still have your adult brain, but it means that it's important to give yourself grace for the things that you don't know yet. And not to write yourself off as, oh, I'm not a car person or, oh, I don't know about cars simply because, you know, you're not working from the same baseline knowledge as people who have been paying attention to cars or working on cars or liking cars even for years. The whole aim with the Cars Are For Girls podcast is to provide those bite-sized pieces of information so that we can build that framework of knowledge. You're building a foundation and a place in your brain to store all those, you know, those information bricks um, of just all things cars. What that means when we're getting work done on our cars and when we get that laundry list of repairs or upsells that the person that works there insists that you need to get, you know, by having that baseline framework, you're not just being handed a random brick of information, not knowing what to do with it. You can then link that to the things that you already know about cars or the car world and then form an understanding so much more easily. It's way easier when that brick has a place to go, where that piece of information has a place to go and your brain can link it and be like, oh, you know what? I knew this about cars already. I knew this. Okay, so now I have a better understanding of it. So to get to today's topic of differentials, this is one of those critical components that helps your car function, but it's not talked about in as mainstream a way as, you know, wheels or horsepower or engines or seatbelts or gas even. And I want to make sure that you get to know what it, what it even is and what it does so that we can add this brick to that foundation of car knowledge that you're building by being here, participating and listening to this podcast. So let's get at it. I guess before I get any further, I should say what differential means so that we can start making sense of it. In a car, the differential is a system, often a set of gears that allows your car to split engine power differently between the left and the right wheels of the vehicle. 
We talked last week about how engine power can be directed differently from the front and back axles, depending on whether it's a two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, or all-wheel drive vehicle, but all cars also have the ability to power the left and the right wheels at different speeds, and there's a really good reason for this. If you grew up building Lego cars like I did, you know that when you're pushing that car around, or even any kind of toy car, or I should say most toy cars, you're applying the force to the outside of the vehicle, and it's easy to move, they just roll at the speed you push them, and with the Lego car, it's allowing you to turn the car left and right easily as you're driving it you know, along the carpet or the floor or over your parents' foot or wherever it is. Well, the reason it's so easy to turn a Lego car left and right, even though it doesn't have a steering wheel, is because each wheel, each of the four wheels that you have on that car is on its own individual axle. So in Lego part components, it's that little cylinder bit that you pop the tire onto and it only fits one tire, so all four wheels are moving independently from one another. Hot Wheel cars, on the other hand, if you played with those growing up, they use one axle that's shared between both front tires and an axle that's shared between both back tires. It's that little metal stick that goes between the vehicle, that goes through the vehicle and attaches to the wheels on either side. So unlike the Lego car, with a Hot Wheels car, they are nearly impossible to turn left and right, and that's why you have them on the tracks, because it's just one solid axle shared between the left and right wheels, meaning the left and right wheels will always move at the same speed. Now, there's a really good chance that if you're listening to today's podcast that it's been a long time since you've played with either Lego or Hot Wheel cars. So I'll talk about it in a different way that's a little bit more top of mind. We just had some epic performances at the Olympic and Paralympic Games in Tokyo this year. And I want you to picture the track that they use for the track and field events with all the different lanes painted out. The outside lane of the track, especially at the rounded parts of the track, is a much longer distance to travel than the inside lane. And you know that for the runners, that's why they set them up. Um, what is that even called? <laughs> they set them up uh, you know, on an angle so that there's no advantage to any runner for being in a different lane. But if you started them at the same, po- at the same spot on the track, If a runner on the inside lane and a runner on the outside lane started in the same spot at the same time and they had to stay in their lane the whole time, it would be way easier for that inside runner to get around the track because the outside lane runner has to go so much farther. So in order for the outside runner, the outside lane runner on that big long outside circle, they'd have to go way faster around the corners than the inside lane runner is in order to get back to the start at the same time as the inside runner. And it's because that outside runner has a greater distance to travel that they need to compensate by going faster in the turns. And cars work the same way. Picture setting a big gigantic car down on one of those Olympic running tracks where both left tires are sitting on the inside lane, the inside lane being the smallest version of the track, and the right tires of the car are sitting on the outside lane, so that longest outside track. As the car is driving down the straights, all four tires would be totally fine moving at the same speed, just like the runners. But once the car gets to that curved part of the track as it tries to go around the corner, in order to not have the car totally rip apart by having the left half and the right half move in different direct, move at different speeds, but once the car gets to those curved parts of the track and tries to turn left, In order to not have the car totally rip apart or fall apart by having the left half of the race car ahead of the right half of the car, 
those outside right tires need to pick up the pace in order to stay in line with the left side of the car. It's just like the runners. The outside has to go faster in order to stay in line with the inside. The differential is the mechanism, it's the me that mechanical or electronic system in your car that allows for this to happen. It allows the, out the outside wheels to turn at a faster rate than the inside wheels. So power from the engine is directed more to the outside tires so that they can rotate at a faster pace and keep up with the left tires or the inside tires, which will often be slowed or even braked at points in a turn. If we didn't have this system in our cars, we'd be like Hot Wheels, like stuck in a track, making it nearly impossible to turn. Even with a steering wheel, we still need the left and right tires moving at different speeds in order to achieve a perfect turn. But again, since we're not driving around in toy cars, the power is not being generated by an external hand or something pushing the vehicle. The power is being generated within the vehicle. So the direction that power is sent within the vehicle works kind of like paddling a canoe or rowing a boat because if you and your friend are paddling a canoe together, you're generating the power for movement from within the vehicle or within the boat. If each of you picks a side of the boat that you're gonna paddle on and you paddle in sync, you know, they're on the left side and you're on the right side and you're just going, you know, one paddle, two paddle, your boat's gonna go straight. But if one of you starts paddling faster, the boat's gonna start turning away from the side that the fast person is paddling on and it's gonna tip towards the side that the slow person's on because there's more power being sent to the fast side or being used on the fast side. So imagine you have a paddler that doesn't know what they're doing. The other person's gonna be telling them to go faster and slower. Or depending on who you're with, it might be yelling instead of telling, but the experienced paddler knows when you need to speed up and slow down on each side in order to stay straight if you're trying to go straight or in order to turn if you're trying to go around corners. In modern cars, this differential system or the diff as it's often called will work the same way it's a feedback system it's on a feedback loop so that feedback on tire speed makes it back to the engine or makes it back into the differential system so that it can evaluate if power distribution from the left side and right side of the vehicle needs to be changed for example picture you're turning your car around a corner we already know that the outside tires are going to be moving faster but what if one of them catches some ice and starts slipping and it's the, that one tire on the ice is just going and going. Well, that's when traction control will kick in. If you have one tire that's spinning out on ice or sand or even a wet road, somewhere that it doesn't have a good amount of traction to good grip, that feedback goes back into the car and a safety feature will kick in. Traction control limits how much the wheels can spin compared to the other wheels. So one way the traction control could fix that slipping tire situation is to cut off power to the wheel that's going at a crazy fast rate that's slipping on ice and redirect it to a wheel that still does have traction with the road. This back and forth feedback system is what makes it easier to stay in control and just in, in secure contact with the ground when you're driving. I hope that helps clear things up a bit when it comes to what the diff is in your car and what it does. And I'll leave you with this. Remember to give yourself grace when you're learning something new or when you're trying out a new hobby, whether it's in the car world or out of it, just start where you are. You will always win if you finish what you started. Thanks for tuning in today. If you found today's episode helpful, please share it with a friend. I'm Sasha Taylor. This is Cars Are For Girls. I hope you got out for a drive today and I will see you next week.